Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you for tuning in to the Hope, Strength, Courage podcast. Love and support for parents whose kids are fighting for their lives. A weekly podcast created to support parents and caregivers of children diagnosed with cancer. Where you will find resources collected to help you face each day with hope, strength, and courage. From interviews with the top experts in their fields, doctors, psychologists, chaplains, and inspiring frontline workers in pediatric oncology as they share their best advice, as well as day-to-day advice collected from other cancer moms and leaders in personal growth and development. From individuals who understand how hard it can be, I hope you will feel better prepared to cope with the day-to-day challenges of caring for your child. Hi, I'm Laura Lane and I'm your host. My own daughter Celeste was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 12. In 2015, I wrote about our experiences in the book, Two Mothers, One Prayer, Facing Your Child's Cancer with Hope, Strength, and Courage. Since that time, I've dedicated thousands of hours to share with other parents and caregivers the resources, tips, tools, skills, and strategies I learned that helped our family to stay happier, healthier, and more hopeful. My goal is to share with you my interviews with experts to support you as you care for a child with cancer. Today's episode features part one of my interview with Marcy Shymoff, number one New York Times bestselling author, a world-renowned transformational leader, and an expert on happiness, success, and unconditional love. I love Marcy. She's been an amazing help for me. I was personally mentored by her as I was writing and publishing my book. She really is amazing. I asked her if she would share with my audience the keys to remaining happy, even during difficult, challenging times. During part one of this interview, Marcy shares the seven steps she learned about being happy and the first of three pieces of advice for cancer moms. I hope you will love Marcy as much as I do. I am pleased to formally introduce you to Marcy Shymoff. Marcy is the number one New York Times bestselling author, a world-renowned transformational leader, and an expert on happiness, success, and unconditional love. Marcy's books include the runaway bestseller Happy for No Reason, Love for No Reason, and six titles in the phenomenally successful Chicken Soup for the Women's Soul series. Her books have sold more than 15 million copies worldwide in 33 languages and have topped all of the major bestseller lists and have been on the New York Times bestseller list for a total of 118 weeks. Marcy is one of the best-selling female nonfiction authors of all time. Marcy is also the host of the national PBS television special called Happy for No Reason, is a featured teacher in The Secret, and is the narrator of the award-winning film Happy. Marcy currently co-leads a worldwide program called Your Year of Miracles with thousands of participants from 42 countries for living a life of miracles. 
Marcy has inspired millions of people around the world and is dedicated to helping people live more empowered and joy-filled lives. Please join me in welcoming to our show, show today, Marcy Shimoff. Thank you, Marcy. It's so wonderful to have you here. It's so great to be here with you, Laura, and I want to thank you for what you're doing with this summit, with this series. It's really beautiful, and um, may, may this really touch many, many, many lives, as I know it will. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the first question that I have for you today is, how did happiness become your heart's quest in life? So there's an old saying. We teach what we most want to learn. And I was born depressed. I came out of the womb with what I call existential angst. I just, I had a really great family, great upbringing, but just had this dark cloud around me. And no matter what, I couldn't get happy. And when I was in my early 20s, I did what lots of people do. I set goals for myself. And I figured that once I got those goals, I would be happy. And I'll just share with you the five main goals that I set for myself because I think people will be able to relate. One was that I have a, a successful career in helping people. Two was that I have a great husband or life partner. Three, wonderful friends. Four, a comfortable home. And five, the equivalent, that I have the equivalent of Halle Berry's body. <laughs> well, I got four out of the five. I don't have Halle Berry's body, but I have a healthy body. And so I worked really hard to get all those things to happen in my life. Mm -hmm. And then I had a turning point moment. It was June of 1998. And I had at that time three books in the top five on the New York Times bestseller list. And I had all those other things checked off my list. And I was giving a speech to 8,000 women. And it was in Chicago. And after the speech, I sold and autographed 5,432 books. Wow. I, the client had hired a massage therapist to massage my hand every few minutes so I could keep autographing. I felt like an author rock star. It was mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this, this is like the top of the game. And I remember after autographing that very last book, I went up to my hotel room, which was the penthouse suite that my client had gotten for me, and I walked over to the beautiful windows, you know, panoramic views of Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I turned around and fell onto the bed and burst into tears. Oh. And I burst into tears because I realized I had everything that I thought I needed to be happy, and I still wasn't. And at that moment, I realized that I couldn't continue to think that just the next thing was going to make me happy. And I decided that I was going to drop everything and study happiness. I wanted to know what was it that was going to make me happy, what was it that could make you, could make anybody happy. Mm -hmm. And it's through that that I researched thousands of people, really. I researched the happiness researchers, the scientists, but also the people who are living in this state of what I call happy for no reason, which is unconditional happiness, happiness not based on our circumstances. Right. And the news is good, Laura. The news is that... Science has cracked the happiness code. We know what it takes for people to be happier. I would say I went from about a D plus in happiness, if you were grading me, I was failing, to an A. Now, I, it doesn't mean that life works perfectly. It doesn't mean that everything happens the way I want it to happen. That's not what it's about. Mm 
What it means is I have this inner state of peace and well-being that is with me regardless of circumstances. And I'm a work in progress. I'm still working on it. But it, it should give everyone hope that no matter what is going on, and, and, and I know that people listening today, I don't want to in any way minimize what challenges you are going through because I deeply have compassion and, and, and real care for what challenges you're going through. But no matter what we're going through, we can raise our happiness level. And it doesn't mean that you're ignoring or in denial about what's going on in your life. So I want to be able to share some practical things with you today. That would be great. Can, help. can you share what um, share some of what the, interv the experts that you interviewed um, in studying happiness, who, who did you get to interview? Well, I interviewed a whole wide range of people. I interviewed uh, Rick Hansen, who's a um, neurolog neuro, what's he call himself? He's a psychologist that, that deals in the brain. Uh, okay. And he uh, wrote a book called Hardwiring Happiness. Fabulous book. I interviewed uh, Bernie Siegel, who is one of the people that you interviewed here. Just an exquisite uh, doctor. I interviewed doctors. I interviewed scientists. And then I interviewed, as I said, regular people who had figured out how to change their uh, happiness. Well, it's called your happiness set point. Let me just, can I, for yeah. a moment, oh, describe yeah, that? Yeah, of course, in? yeah. Out of all of the research out there on happiness, to me, the most important research is that we all have what's called a happiness set point. And it's like a thermostat setting. So no matter what happens to us, whether it's really great or really horrible, we, in general, will tend to return back to our original happiness set point within a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So, for example, people who win the lottery, they're really happier. It's true, they get happier for a few months. But within about a year, they've returned to their original happiness set point. Same is true of people who've had tragedies in their lives. Within a year or two, they tend to return to their original happiness set point. Mm -hmm. And so the happiness set point is the key for all of us. And here's how the happiness set point is determined. It's 50% genetic. You're born with it. Now, I happen to not be born with a great genetic happiness set point. But here's the good news. 10% of it is circumstantial. That's a very small piece of the pie. So mm -hmm. don't focus all your intention on changing the circumstances because as I found, that doesn't change your set point. Right. The biggest thing that changes your set point is 40% of the set point is our habits. Our habits of thoughts, our habits of behavior. And that's the biggest piece that we can control. Now I'm gonna take this a step further and say that the researchers have found that that 50% that's the genetic piece can be strongly influenced by our habits of thoughts and behavior. Well that says that up to 90% of our happiness set point is, is um, influenced by these habits. So that's great news. That means that we can all shift our happiness habits to create a higher happiness set point. Well, that's awesome. So my next question is, and you mentioned it in your book, and, and I love your book. <laughs> you. you talk about the seven steps that you learned about being happy. So will you share those with us? Absolutely. So some people just say, oh, make up your mind to be happy and that's it. If it were that easy, we would all be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I have found 
that there were what I in all these interviews I found that there are 21 main happiness habits and they kind of fell into seven main categories and I want to go over these seven categories and I want you to think as you're listening to these which of these am I really good at and which of them am I really not so good at mm -hmm. and what I tell people to do is to start where they're not as good okay. so start where you're weakest now these seven areas is hard for people to remember seven of anything so I created a model of some kind of a, 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 a like an analogy so you can remember all seven of these and the model or the analogy is called building your inner home for happiness okay. now a home has seven main components it's got a foundation it's got four corner pillars that the walls are built around it's got a roof mm -hmm. and it's got a garden and here's how that relates to these seven happiness main happiness areas or habits the first is the foundation and that's about taking responsibility for your happiness not showing up as a victim in life now there are awful things that, that happen to people and, and and I know that if you're listening to this you're probably in the midst of a or have been through a very very challenging situation and I, I as I said I so don't mean to be denying that in any way and um, and what I found is that people who come to their challenges with a feeling of this is somehow a friendly universe Einstein said the most important thing we can ask ourselves is is this a friendly universe yeah and what I found is people who are happy, even though things don't go the way they want, they have a fundamental belief that the universe is on their side. And so if something deeply challenging is you're facing, to ask the question, if this were happening for a higher purpose, if this were if the universe was loving and supporting me, what might the higher purpose in this be? How could I look at this in, in and I'm I'm certainly not saying to not have grief. I, I want to clarify something. When I talk about being happy for no reason, I don't mean walking around 24-7 with a silly grin on your face. Right. I don't mean being in some Pollyanna state of denial. I mean that even in the midst of tragedy or grief or challenge, that we have an inner peace and well-being inside that allows us to carry us through this kind of situation. And so the first step is that foundation piece, which is saying I am not a victim and I will find what is the lesson or the gift in this room right that's the first step then you've got the four corner pillars and the four corner pillars are the pillar of the body the mind the body the heart and the spirit the mind what are you saying to yourself what are your thoughts the body do you have the biochemistry for happiness are, do you have the you know are you eating the right foods for happiness are you sleeping the blood rate for happiness are you exercising there are some simple little things that people mm -hmm. can do to shift for greater happiness the pillar of the um, heart are you living with an open heart do you have gratitude do you have forgiveness are you holding on to resentments are you letting go then there's the pillar of the soul do you feel a soulful a spiritual connection to something bigger than yourself in life then there's the roof of your home for happiness that has to do with living an inspired life are you living a passionate life I, I believe truly that we're all here on the planet for a particular reason are you doing what it is you're here to be doing you know Laura you I know you've been in my in my program the best seller program and working on your book 
you have a passion for what you're here, you know you're here for a mission. That's really a key component to happiness. And then finally, the garden of your home for happiness has to do with who are you surrounded with? Are you surrounded with people who believe in you, people who support you, they, what I call the roses and the gardenias in life? Mm -hmm. Or are you surrounded by the weeds in life, the toxic people who are, who are dragging you down, who are telling you that you can't be happy, you can't go for your dreams? Who you surround yourself with is a key component to your happiness. So look at all of those seven areas and ask yourself, where am I strong? And where am I weak? And go for the strong, go for strengthening your weakest areas. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's just such a good visual. And oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Mercy. What advice would you give to parents whose children have cancer that they can be specifically doing um, for themselves and uh, to set an example for their children and, and things that they can do for their children? Gosh, there's so many things. But let me start, let me give you three. Okay. Is that all right? Number one is take care of yourself as best you can. I know that you're in a situation where it's very hard, but to, to do some self-care. And so I would have you ask yourself this question twice a day. What's the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now? Mm -hmm. It's a simple question. What is the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now? And your answer may be, I can go drink a glass of water. Or I can go outside and get some fresh air. Or I can call a friend right now because I need to be fed a little bit. I need some support. Mm -hmm. Or it could be, I could take three minutes out right now and just close my eyes and do a little bit of meditation and centering. Because when I come back, I'm going to be better. Yeah. So self-care is really, really critical. I, I, I'm big on that. I know. And then I go ahead. I used to say one of the things that I would do sometimes is just say, you know what, I'm just going to climb into bed with my daughter and have a nap with her. That's yeah. I think I, you know, just what I want you to do what feeds you, mm -hmm. because you're spending all the time giving and giving and giving, and as you know, you can't run on empty. Yeah. And so it's it's to take some time every day to self-nurture, self-feed, whatever that is, just for you. Even though it may, you may think, oh, that sounds terribly selfish. It's so not, because when you feed yourself, you feed everybody around you. Yeah. Isn't she awesome? Next week we'll continue this interview and hear the other two pieces of advice from Marcy. In that episode, the tables are turned a little bit as Marcy begins to ask me to share some of my daughter Celeste's story and how we remained positive, especially as her cancer became terminal. Before we end our show today, we have one last segment. Over the last few years, I have asked other cancer moms what advice they wish they had known when their child was first diagnosed. I have compiled that information and will be sharing their advice each week. You can download the top 101 pieces of advice that I put together as a mini ebook at twomothersoneprayer.com slash advice. Today's advice comes from Michelle. She said, It's okay to laugh. In Caitlin's final month, my house was always full of family and friends. On one occasion, a close friend brought her husband to the house. 
Later on, he made the comment somewhere along the lines of, How can you be laughing and smiling? Isn't this a sad time? Well, yes, of course it was a sad time, a very tiring time. But my family got through by telling stories and joking around. In the midst of the hardest time of my life, I was able to laugh and smile with friends and family. That's the way Caitlin wanted it. And because even at eight or nine months old, and on her final night, she made us all laugh with a simple burp. Oh yes, my, my advice, it's okay to laugh. Thank you, Michelle, for sharing that. Both Marcy and I would agree with you. It's such good advice. If you have advice you've learned along the way that you wish someone had told you weeks, months, or years ago, I invite you to fill out the contact form on our website, twomothersoneprayer.com slash contact, and I will be sharing your advice with our listeners on future shows. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today to listen to the Hope, Strength, Courage podcast. I look forward to sharing more experts and advice with you again next Wednesday. Please remember to take a minute to subscribe to the show. Thanks also need to go out to our Hope, Strength, Courage production team, which consists of Kyle Outridge Productions and music by Fizz Anthony. To learn more about myself, Laura Lane, and to order my book, please visit twomothersoneprayer.com.